Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Amen. Good morning, good morning. Bless the Lord for each of you this morning. And the praise team, you've done an outstanding job of worship. Let us pray. God, we thank you yet again for just another day's journey that I'm glad about. God, help us today as we delve into your word that we will make life application and help us to be mindful too that we enter these doors to worship and we exit to serve. Now, God, hide all of me that your word may be seen by many. Forgive us now of our transgressions, sin, and falling short. But get your glory out of each situation. It's in Jesus' name we do pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Dwayne. My wife and I, Marquette, we get an opportunity to serve in life groups, and we're excited about the group that we have. It's just been amazing thus far. Great people that challenge us to uh, see how we communicate and love each other, and that's just part of what we do here at New Life Church. Would you please stand for the reading of, of God's Word? Uh, And if you have your Bibles or if you have the Bible app, we're going to be reading in Mark chapter 5. We've been studying the book of Mark, and Pastor Bronson, thank God for him. He's challenged us to follow along. You can get a book of Mark study where you can journal and ask questions and do some reflections. And so we're just enjoying this study. Mark chapter 5, verse 24, I think I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And so I'm just going to read it. If you just follow along, I'm not going to say the verses, but I'm just going to read it as a narrative here. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. And a woman suffering from constant bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. And on the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I will be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body she was cured of her affliction. And at once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, Who touched me? He was looking around to see who had done this, and then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well, 
Go in peace and be free from your affliction. You may be seated. We definitely bless God for this passage. I know oftentimes we hear a familiar text, and as soon as we hear this familiarity, we say, oh, I've heard this one before, and we kind of tune out. But one of the things about this text is that we can make it uh, applicable to us today because how many of you know that in life things have been so convenient for us at times? Now you can go to the pharmacy, you can drive through, you don't even have to get out. You just drive through. Uh, we have convenience stores for our convenience. And then when the pandemic came, you don't even have to pick it up anymore. You got DoorDash. You can pull into a special parking place and they'll bring it out to you. And so we've been kind of catered to. And there are circumstances that cause us now to proceed with caution in life. We have disappointments that sometimes devastate our destiny. Devil's designed to lead to our demise, but there's deliverance for the dedicated disciples. And so I want to take this approach today, a hermeneutical approach to the scripture as we look at how it applies to us in this historical backdrop. I want to talk about, are we sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are we sick and tired of being sick and tired? So this lady in the text kind of reminds me of a Fannie Lou Hamer. I'm not sure if you've heard of Fannie Lou Hamer, but Fannie Lou Hamer uh, grew up in Rueville, Mississippi. She grew up in a family of sharecroppers, a large family. Uh, and so Fannie Lou was poor. And, and, and of course, if you know of Mississippi today, it's still an impoverished state. And oftentimes in our lives, we've dealt with people that have dealt with some unresolved issues. And this is the life of Fannie Lou Hamer and the woman with the issue of blood today in the text. Some of us have dealt with unresolved issues, habits, hangups, and setbacks. And as the Lord helped me craft this message, he showed me Fannie Lou. She was an African-American sharecropper and civil rights leader. She was the youngest of 20 children. Yes, 20 children. So her father moved to Mississippi to work on the plantation of E.W. Brandon. And Ms. Hamer started picking cotton at the tender age of 13. Picking two to 300 pounds per day. And throughout her life, she endured many injustices. And one time, Fannie Lou got a chance to go to the uh, Congress and, and share her speech. And she talked about simply wanting to be able to have her voice heard through voting. And, and she penned the phrase of, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so let's just parallel there with Fannie Lou Hamer's speech and then this woman with the issue of blood. It's, the text says she spent all she had with the doctors. Sounds like somebody who was sick and tired of being sick and tired. But guess what happened in her condition? The scripture says she got worse. Spending all you have, everything I got, I put all of my marbles in one basket and I only get worse. And this morning in the text of Mark 5, we see this woman has the same spirit as Fannie Lou Hamer. And even though Fannie Lou Hamer faced injustices and challenges, her plight did not paralyze her to be fearful and unfruitful. See, what we got to understand about this text is, is this lady ceremonially unclean. Twelve years she's unclean. 
And what would it look like if we pursued healing like this woman did? What would the world look like if we were like this woman with the issue of blood who was pursuing healing? I can imagine right now that she ran into Jesus' presence instead of running to a pity party. John 5 is another account about the man at the pool of Bethesda, a.k.a. known as the house of grace and mercy. It was said that to be somewhat like the public infirmary. He was there and Jesus asked him, why are you sitting here? And he says, I have nobody to put me into the pool. This man was patiently waiting for a healing. But then we want to use these women today and look that they did not just wait, but they pursued. Fannie Lou Hamer and the woman with the issue of blood were sick and tired of being sick and tired. If we take a look at verse 6 of um, John chapter 5, John chapter 5 has an account of this man at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus asked him in verse 6, he said, do you want to get well? He said, do you want to get well? And sometimes he's asking us the very same thing. Dwayne, are you, are you okay with the condition that you're in? Do you want to be made whole? See, a lot of times we're waiting on God, but he's waiting on us. And so point number one, if I could give you something to take home, which you persistently pursue. It's almost like the, the persistent widow in Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 17 or 18, says she kept on knocking. It was a parable. She kept on knocking. She wanted something, so she kept knocking. She persistently pursued. This woman with the issue of blood, she persistently pursued. And so this historical account is well-written, well-known. Uh, Bishop Neil Robertson wrote a song about it. He says, press your way through. Press your way through. God has not forgotten. you got to press your way through. And so press and pushing, see, push has an acronym for Pray until something happens. But while you're praying, you need to be pressing. This is the illustration of what we must do if we're going to have the persistence to pursue what God has for us. This woman may have had uh, pagan theology, but guess what she was doing? She had faith enough to believe that if I got a problem, I know God can solve them. So in this text, this woman would not settle for her condition remaining as it was. She pressed her way through. She was probably unmarried. So we're looking at the hermeneutical approach here. Didn't say that she was married. Didn't, because what it did say was that she spent all she had. Didn't say she spent what her husband had. Spent all she had. Didn't say that her children took her to the doctor. Says she spent all she had. And so says she was probably unmarried. And the text also says she spent all she had only to get worse. Didn't get, you know, not. Nowadays, if we go to the doctor, we want to feel like we're getting a little bit better, don't we? Can you imagine being sick for 12 days? 12 days. You know, in a time right now where people have, have gotten COVID and all these different things, and you know how that feels. But guess what? 12 days, but she was sick for 12 long years. But what happened was she heard about Jesus working miracles. If you go up a few scriptures before, she, they just called Jesus to do something with Jairus' daughter to heal. So she had heard about him working miracles. 
And so one writer says she probably was pagan, probably uh, believed in superstition, had jacked up theology like many of us, but she believed that she could just touch his clothes. How many of us have faith like that? If I can just get in his presence and touch his clothes. See, and that's what Jesus is wanting us to do today. Somebody's situation is you may not know the Levitical law and being ceremonially unclean and, and not knowing that you can't even get to the temple to see a priest. And see, today we have free access and free will to come and be prayed for and to let other members know and believers know to intercede on our behalf. And so even if you don't know these Levitical laws, the scriptures, religious practices, and churchology, you just have to know if Jesus can't fix it. Somebody know what I'm talking about. If Jesus can't fix it, nobody else can. And I got something I want you to take home with you today, so don't, don't uh, allow yourselves to be complacent. Please don't allow church folk. I know I'm in the right place. Don't allow church folk to discourage you. Because some of us have great theology. We know the doxology, but guess what we do? We lack faith. I know, I, I know the doxology. I know the scriptures, but guess what? We don't apply them and we don't have faith. So don't allow church folk to discourage you in pressing your way through. This woman, it says that there were so many crowds. You know what happens when some, something's going on really good. You know what the crowd will look like. It said it was hundreds of people. And here she is, just imagine, if she's been sick for 12 long years and have a discharge of blood, you know she's not strong. So she's pushing her way. She's pressing her way through. And one, and some of the images even show that she was almost crawling. And so she's pushing through hundreds of people. This woman pushed through. And it was unthinkable. And guess what else it was? It was unacceptable. Because anyone ceremonial unclean should not be touching anybody else, lest they would become contaminated. While unclean, she connected to him. She, she, she wouldn't be uh, complacent. She confronted complacency. She confronted custom. And she said, if I can just touch the edge of his garments. For some of us that are waiting for a change in life, a change in our relationships, a change in heart, we will have to become like this woman who was spiritually and physically desperate. I don't know about you, but if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that means you're physically and spiritually desperate. Job said like this, Though he slayed me, yet I will trust him. His friends was talking about him. But guess what? He said, I'm going to wait on my change. How many of us have been desperate? You know what? I'm talking about you've spent all you had. You've gone from this place to that place, and then you reflect and say, well, it's not the place. It's me. And if God don't get me out of this situation, I'm doomed. That was me. At that moment, Jesus took on her. So we really got to put ourselves in the moment. Jesus took on her uncleanness. Yeah, the one that the praise team sang about this morning. Holy, word is the lamb. He took on her uncleanness and her sickness and imparted to her purity and health. See, Jesus turned and looked at the person who touched him. He said, and then it says this right here. It says, she fell down and confessed. I don't know about you, but I believe all the Bible. 
not some part, not the parts that make me feel good, but I believe all of the Bible. And so 1 John 1 and 9 says this, if we confess our sin, you can, so this is like uh, English here. Uh, you can, this is a clause. So if you say, if we confess, how about we just say, when we confess? When we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and to, just like it said in Scripture, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Somebody must have read that to her. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How and why does he love us so? That was the question I had. And the praise team talked about it. The cross just reminded us of it. He saw our faces. But my question is, why does he love us so much? And, and see, we can't just breeze past this. There's a reference in Isaiah 53 why he did it. Isaiah 53, and, he, and it's a great picture of what his job was to do. And so we've heard about the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, what Jesus said, Lord, if it be thy will, would you take this cup from me? But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so Isaiah 53 says here, verse 3, he says, he was despised and rejected by men. I'm going to take my time here so this can soak in. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. Imagine this lady who people turned away from, Sean. He was despised and we didn't value him. That's why I asked the question, why does he love us so much? Verse 4 says, yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains and we turned and, but we, in turn, regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced. If you have a King James, this is what the old church said. He was bruised for our iniquity because the transgressions. It said he was crushed for our iniquity. He was punishment and the chastisement of peace was upon him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have turned to our own way. Now, that's Dwayne Clayton now. Turn to our own way. And the Lord has punished him. The Lord punished his son for the impurity of us all. This is why he loves us. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not. Whoop. See, this is one thing. I remember my mother used to whoop me. And, you, you know, you can kind of over-exaggerate and holler so they would stop. But this is what the scripture says. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. The only thing that we know that on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And says, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, and he was taken away because of the oppression and judgment and who considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of people's rebellion. In verse 10, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him or to bruise him. As a restitution offering, we will see his seed and he will prolong his days. And by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. So this right here is just letting us know that when we talk about 
uh, confronting complacency. Jesus died so that we don't stay in the condition that we were in. We were sick. We were afflicted. We were full of sin. But I love what Paul wrote to the Roman church in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And so when we talk about confronting complacency, church, we have to be very careful and watchful that we do not get caught up in compromise and complacency. James 1 and 22 says this, we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. James 2 and 22 says this, that faith without works is dead. I don't work because I'm saved. I, I don't work to be saved. I work because I'm saved. Some of us are waiting for relationships to manifest. Some of us are waiting for finances to get in order. Some of us are waiting for God to show favor to us. Some of us are praying for a revelation of what's next in our lives. But the answer is in God's word. If you need a revelation, pick up this. If you want a revelation, pick up this. He's not saying anything new. You know why? Because he hadn't done what we already said. We haven't done what he already said. Why give a new directive if we haven't followed the one he's given? That's parenting right there. <laughs> if you need a revelation, it's in God's word. So, Lord, give us this day. That's what, that's what the scripture means when it says, give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. Give me something to chew on. Give me something to fill me Daily. So this woman with the issue of blood, we must admire her because what she did was it said she gave everything she had. And that's some of us. We've gone to this place. We've gone to that place. We've tried this doctor. We've tried this drug. We've tried this thing to fulfill us. But guess what? None of it worked. And said after she'd done all she could, after she tried everything, she tried Jesus. And so if we want finances to increase, we must tithe and be a blessing to others. We saw the liturgy and be a blessing to others. See, one thing about this is the old church said this, said you can't beat God given no matter how hard you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. And so Isaiah 1 and 19 says this, if we are willing and obedient, willing and obedient, that we shall get the good of the land. So one of the things we got to do, too, if we're willing and obedient, we're going to bless others. We don't spend everything that we got on ourselves. That's the liturgy. We're not going to hoard it up for ourselves. But we're going to bless others and be a blessing. Maybe I'm not talking to everyone in here, but I know I'm talking to myself, and I'm talking to the church folk that are sick and tired and being sick and tired. The woman with this constant bleeding resolved that I'm hurting and these doctors have tried everything that they know how to do, but I got to call on a true doctor, Jehovah Rapha. They can't even give me the proper diagnosis, the woman said. I can't find a steady job. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. She made up in her mind that if I could just touch the hem of Jehovah Rapha's garment, I know I will be made whole. I will be healed, delivered, and set free. So my second point, the first point was to pursue. Second point is to confront complacency. And the third point is, as this woman did actively, was to get in his presence. And I want to read from first Peter, second Peter, sorry, chapter one, verses three through eight. 
And if we want to get in his presence, these are practical ways we can get in his presence. So the Apostle Peter here says, forgiving for his divine power, verse 3, has given us everything required for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, by these he has given us a very great and precious promise or promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is on this world or that is in this world because of evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Get in his presence. Just, just, just told us. She said, turn your television off. Put your phone down. Get in his presence. You know what? Some of us are, get comfortable with when we're always busy. But sometimes when you turn all that stuff down, you got to deal with you. When you turn all that stuff off, you got to deal with you. And then when you turn it off and shut everything else down, you can hear God. Because he's not going to kick the door down. Revelation 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And see, the thing is, when we get in his presence, we have to allow him in. So here we are. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and with endurance. Endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's how we get in his presence. You know, I know we were in the corporate worship earlier, but sometimes even in corporate worship, we can shut everybody else out. It's almost like MJ when he was playing basketball. They say you get tunnel vision or you get in the zone. There can be a time where you don't even realize there are other people around you when you get in his presence. And my question for us today is how bad do we want it? We oftentimes seek the hand of God without seeking the heart of God. We have to fight the good fight. We've got to remain steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We have to know, now live like we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We've got to walk after the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in these scriptures and these historical accounts, they really matter. Fannie Lou Hamer's testimony helps us in how we can pursue, not be fearful, and have our voices heard. And definitely this woman with the issue of blood can help us. And if I were to make it personal, one day when I was on my way to hell, wasn't fit to live, and surely wasn't ready to die. Jesus rescued me. He picked me up. This old church here. He picked me up. Turned me around. Placed my feet on. Somebody's been there. And that solid ground is the firm foundation. The firm foundation is his word. And guess what? It's decision time. I'm going to be passing it over to Jess, but I want you all to look at something else Mark 8, 22, we're in the book of Mark during this study and time. But Mark 8 is going to have something very key for us. Some of us have tried to get it right. 
We said, man, I got to come to, you know, I have friends that said, man, I'm going to come to church once I get myself together. No, you're not going to get yourself together. We can't get it right in our own futile efforts. And stop putting yourselves on a gift trip about not being able to pertain perfection. Because what we do know is our strength is made, our weakness is made perfect in his strength. And so Mark 8, 22 says, they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man there. I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time. And he took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village and spit it on his eyes, laying his hands on him, said, do you see anything? And the man said, he said, yeah, I see men, big, tall men look like trees. And guess what it says here? In verse 25, again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes, and he saw distinctly then. said, first when he touched him, he, he, he was blind now. But when he touched him the first time, he said, I see men walking like trees. says in verse 25, Jesus touched him again. And that's some of us. You know, we've, we've rededicated our lives. We've been back to church. We, we said, I need to be saved again. No, you don't need to be saved again. But you just need to get in God's presence and be touched again. And so when God touches you again, guess what? You see distinctly. And again, he placed his hands on the man and he saw distinctly. And he was cured and could see everything clearly. So when we get in God's presence, we see everything clearly. Acts 1 and 8, and as Jess comes, Acts 1 and 8 says this, when the Holy Spirit has come upon us, I'm not talking about the charisma to make you dance and shout. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, the guider and teacher of all truth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, yeah, you might dance. Yes, you might shout. But the other thing is he'll give you power for living. When he has come upon us, we have power to be a witness. And today this woman with the issue of blood probably didn't have good theology, but she had good faith. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us as our paracletos, our intercessor, we have power to be a witness. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.